Ticket City presents Why You Go to the Game to see Mizzou. It was a Missouri game against Nebraska at Fro Field. Mizzou came out and hung right with the Huskers. Uh, the Huskers were ranked number one at the time. Nebraska had to score a touchdown on the final play to send the game in overtime. I remember Scott Frost threw the ball into the end zone. The ball flew through the air, and then someone dove for it. Nobody knew quite what happened. Fans started running onto the field. They were jumping on the goalposts because we all thought Mizzou won. But Nebraska had actually scored. They called it the flea kicker. It's one of the most famous plays now in college football history. Even though Mizzou lost that game, it made me a fan of the Tigers forever. Put yourself in the action with Ticket City. Visit ColumbiaTribune.com slash sports and click tickets. This is the Mizzou Sports Podcast, presented by the Columbia Daily Tribune. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Mizzou Sports Podcast. Daniel Jones here with Cameron T. Robinson on Thursday, 21st of February. How you doing, Cam? I'm good. I'm good. How are you, Danny? I'm doing all right. Doing all right. It's been a little bit of a slower news week for Mizzou Sports, considering how the rest of February has gone. Been chasing appeal stuff for a couple weeks. That's finally slowed down a little bit, I think, for which is for the better of everybody. Yeah, I'm glad. This will probably be the first time we don't talk about the appeal on podcast since it happened. Right. There has not been a lot of news besides the fact a week ago today, Mizzou actually filed official notice of its appeal. But uh, Mizzou men lost to Kentucky on Tuesday, 66-58. Uh, the, the Mizzou women lost to Tennessee over the weekend. Mel Kuyper had some things to say about Drew Locke. Derek Chivas had his number retired. So there is a lot to get to from the last week. But I actually wanted to start with what I think is probably the, the news of the day in sports, like the talking point of the day, which was Duke-North Carolina basketball game last night. You obviously watched. You're a Duke thought, fan. What'd you thought think? We were talking about Bowling Green basketball. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. As much as our listeners would love a deep dive on Bowling Green basketball, you know, I did see an article, or maybe it was a tweet or something. It was like, "Where are all the Bowling Green yeah, fans at?" Yeah, Dave Briggs used to work here. Yeah, comes from Toledo Blade now. Yeah, I agree. It's terrible. It's I like half full. What's yeah. going on, Cam? Uh, let's, not, let's talk about Duke. Oh, okay, all um, right. Let, so, yeah, let, let's talk about Duke. You're a Duke fan. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, that was bad. I, I think, like I told, I told you before you got on the podcast, I thought, um, one, I've never seen somebody just like rip his shoe in half. I think that just says something about how strong he is. Um, but I think, I I told you in the, uh, before the podcast, I thought Duke just like, it's like one of those things where your best player goes down and you're just like, uh-oh. And you don't really know what's going on. It's different than like, just like a tweaked ankle or a rolled ankle or something like that. It was like a knee and it stretched weird. I think the whole team was worried it was going to be worse than that. Um, I yeah, saw, they, they played like a team that had something else in there, yeah, like in their mind. Yeah, I saw Jeff Goodman tweet um, d- during the game that when Nolan Smith came back from the locker room afterwards and just looked at John Shire and shook his head. Um, and like, I'm guessing he was saying, like, no, he's not coming back. But at the same time, like, you're like, when your assistants are thinking about that during the game, um, I just I just felt like it was just everybody's mind was just on like did he tear an ACL did he, is he going to be out for the rest of the year like um, I think everybody's mind was on that instead of the game but anyway I mean they still should have been blown up by sixteen yeah with two top five picks still on the team at home yeah I think that just the shoot thing is so crazy 
Have you, I have worn some old shoes so, and doing relatively athletic things. Yeah. How strong do you have to be that a new pair of Nikes yeah. you literally rip through the yeah. entire shoe? I mean, my basketball shoes are shoes that I've had for almost seven or eight years now. Those aren't ripped in half. That's that's <laughs> unbelievable. I had the video of Barack Obama sitting there um, and going, his shoe broke. <laughs> with, the, with the point. Yeah. His eyes are like, what? Yeah. What, what that, just happened? That was there? unbelievable. I... Consider me Team Adidas from now on. Hashtag Team Adidas yeah. after watching that. And, uh, I don't know. You might be Team Puma too. Puma uh, Puma Hoops last night, <laughs> right after it happened, tweeted out, wouldn't have happened in Pumas. Bold. Yeah. Bold. Yeah. Deleted it and after they deleted. realized. If you guys, you're going to tweet that. You just got to keep it up. <laughs> they deleted it after they realized that Zion was actually hurt. Yeah. But like, yeah, if you said it, and I agree, if you're Nike today, you're like, Oh, yeah, crap. Yeah. Well, now Stocks are probably plummeting. Not, and Maybe not plummeting, but they're taking a hit for sure. Yeah. Yeah. The uh, One of the quotes that I also thought was interesting about that, Zion Williamson, uh, according to Sonny Vaccaro, who's like one of the sneaker head, he's like been a spokesperson and, and used to work in that industry a lot. He said, Zion Williamson is the most valuable player to come out of high school or college since LeBron James without question. Well, without a doubt. I mean, how much money he's... I mean, Duke games are usually sold out, but their tickets prices have to be unbelievable. Yeah, how much were the tickets going for last night? Like $3,000 at Cameron Indoor Stadium? That's the crazy thing. Then you pay all the money and you see him for one minute. And you're just like, "Uh uh-oh. It's similar to Mike here. Like, on a much bigger, crazier scale. Like, he's 100% on the scale of basketball, whether pro or college, the third biggest story in basketball, period. I mean, you got LeBron and the Lakers, you got the Warriors, and you got Zion. Like, I mean, the Rockets and Thunder, who have two MVP candidates, were playing when the Duke Duke and Virginia were playing, and Duke's ratings were higher than that game. And that game was on ESPN. Like, um, he's without a doubt the biggest storyline in college basketball, one of the biggest stories in the country right now. Um, Can't so argue. I would, I would argue. I, yeah, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. It's, Still rather have RJ Barrett? Yeah. He's not, that doesn't mean, yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> that doesn't mean he's a better basketball player. Okay. Okay. Let's transition to another basketball game that happened last night. Georgia, Mississippi State. Yeah. This is the craziest ending to a college basketball game that I can remember. Yeah. Mississippi State, first of all, was up 15 points. might have been 20. They had a huge lead in the second half against Georgia, who's only got one conference win so far this season. Georgia is not. And it was not. against Fairbelt, who doesn't have a conference <laughs> win. <laughs> Picking on the minute. Uh, it's like you're like the second shortest kid out on the playground, exactly. and you walk over and push the shortest exactly. kid down. Exactly. You're the worst. <laughs> I'm mad because I keep getting pushed down, so I'm going to take my anger out on you. Mm-hmm. So Georgia comes all the way back, ties the game, and on the last possession, Mississippi State has the ball. Quindary Weatherspoon, one of the best scorers in the SEC, gets fouled. And that, in and of itself, almost sent Tom Crane into like a, his, like hysterics. Yeah. yeah, He almost had a stroke on the sideline. Yeah. So misses his first free throw, but somebody from the crowd throws a little plush bulldog, like mm-hmm. a little toy, out onto the court. The referees look at it, call a technical foul, and Quindary Weatherspoon gets to shoot again. Makes that free throw with .5 seconds left and then misses the other free throw. And, win the, and they win the game. And they win the game by one point. So I, I saw Tom Crean grab the microphone and like say, I couldn't hear what he was saying because the announcers were talking over it, but I was like... It was something like, hey guys, stay with us. Like, yeah. you know, don't throw things on the floor. How do you not 
curse at the crowd when you're Tom Crane. You're, one of your fans threw something on the yeah. floor and literally lost you the game. Yeah. How do you not cuss out everybody in the crowd? Yeah. You. Yeah, yeah. Bleep, bleep, you, bleep, 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 bleep. Yeah. What yeah. are you bleeping doing? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that is, that is, you t- as a coach, you deal all the time with things that are out of your control. Like you create game plans and then you just send your players out there and then you live and die with the results. Like your job is always on the line mm-hmm. with how other people perform. And then something like that happens yeah. where you're, about to go into overtime after a huge second half comeback and somebody throws something on the floor and you lose. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely nuts. I saw that and I was just like, I'd be, oh my goodness. Gosh. That's, and I think, and it's bad for Georgia. Like they'd love to have two SEC wins. Like they have a one in months and like, I get it. But like, <laughs> They'd love imagine to if that was Vanderbilt. Wins. Yeah. And you don't have an SEC win yet. Imagine that's how you lost. Like that, that's your best chance to get SC win. Imagine that's how you lose. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's crazy. That is uh, that is pretty crazy. I'm now looking up Georgia's schedule. On it. They will most likely, unless they they had, they most likely won't win another SC game. Unless they beat Mizzou at home. They go to Ole Miss. That's probably a loss. They host Auburn. That's probably a loss. They go to Florida. That's probably a loss. They host Mizzou. And then they go to South Carolina. That's probably a loss. Ken Palm says their fifty their best chance is beating Mizzou at home. They're two point favorites on Ken Palm. Ouch! Yeah, harsh, harsh for Missouri fans. Sorry for Missouri fans. <laughs> hey man, does Mizzou play Vanderbilt again? Nope. Okay. Missouri, even in their worst years, won two. Yeah, I have to think Vanderbilt. I don't think Vanderbilt's going to win a game. You don't think? Listen, man, I, I understand Vanderbilt is. A I'm gonna read. Okay, I'm gonna read you this schedule. You tell me who they're going to beat. Okay, they go to Alabama. They host Florida. They go to A and M, who's won three in a row. They and just beat LSU. They go. They host Arkansas, and they go to LSU to end the year. I don't know who they're going to beat. Their best chance is probably Arkansas at home. I, I don't know, man. I, I. But that was the thing with Missouri is like Missouri ended up beating Vanderbilt in their last season under Kim Anderson. Vanderbilt ended up going to the tournament. Yeah. So. It just takes one night. Vanderbilt almost, I mean, they played with Tennessee. At, at home. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so it just takes one. It's the likelihood of it happening one time out of an 18 game schedule. You're shaking your head now. Then I'll go move on. <laughs> I don't see it. Should we, should this be our next podcast bet? No, we t- I thought we stopped us. <laughs> Temporarily, we never made it a permanent thing. While we're talking about SEC basketball, though, Let's talk about Missouri basketball. So Kentucky beat Missouri 66-58 Tuesday night. Um, Derek Chivas had his number retired. That was probably the best thing to come out of Tuesday night. Yeah, that was Uh, a good thing. And that was uh, pretty interesting to kind of do some research on Derek Chivas' story. He's been in Columbia pretty much since he left the NBA in the 90s. And he's really been out of the public eye. Uh, There's a story about him that... uh, I wrote back on Tuesday, but he has worked for over a decade with Woodhaven, which is an organization in Columbia that assists adults with disabilities. He's done all of that outside of the public eye in the, in the background. And he's worked with all kinds of individuals, uh, some that are high functioning with disabilities and some that require like total care. And he goes in on Friday night and he works all the way until Sunday. Um, kind of continued to be, a 
a behind-the-scenes contributor in the community, went with Missouri to the NCAA tournament last year, which uh, and he gave a speech before their game against Florida State. Derek Chivas was like, I don't know why Conzo had me do that. I never won an NCAA tournament game. Neither has that. Neither have that. <laughs> and Missouri ended up losing, so maybe he was on to something. Uh, but I just thought that story was really interesting that uh, Derek Chivas – the all-time leading scorer for the program that I think in this town has historically been, you know, the Mizzou men's basketball program, I think, is is Columbia's most loved team, historically. And they, they've kind of cycled between basketball and football, but the all-time leading scorer for the most loved team in the city has lived in this town for like 15 years doing this work behind the scenes, and it's never been a big deal. And it kind of, a lot of it came out this week, and we learned a lot about what's going on and, and what he's been up to. And I just thought, I think that's a really interesting story. So the the ceremony on Tuesday, of course, his number being retired, probably long overdue. Nobody, you talk about Vanderbilt, like nobody's going to beat them. What nobody is going to do is score more points in Derek Chivas in Missouri history. Yeah, yeah. Because it's just, in a, well, even in the era now where, you get your most talented players are only there for one or two years, especially exactly. in the Power Five level. It's not like Mizzou has a, a John Morant who's at a mid-major level and is going to stay there for three or four years. Um, I don't think even if somebody did, I don't think they would score that many points in a basketball game. Yeah, he has like twenty five hundred. Next closest is uh, Doug Smith, I believe. Doug Smith is second with twenty one hundred. So yeah. he's four hundred points higher than the next yeah. closest. Yeah, I don't see that going down anytime soon. But about the game in particular, Missouri lost. Now they're 12-13, and 13, under 500 for the first time all year. Three well, and first time in Kansas time in Missouri too. Yeah, good point. 3-10 uh, and 10 in the SEC. I ask you, Cam, what right now is the most interesting thing going on with Missouri basketball? I mean, we have a team that's now below 500. Their opportunity of playing in the postseason is pretty much gone. You have a couple of young guys that are performing pretty well, and I think Conzo kind of sent a message or maybe tried to during that Kentucky game. What do you feel like is is the thing that's happening that is the most interesting and maybe most impactful thing going on in the program right now? Um, that's a good question. Um, I think maybe the most interesting thing is just like um, – well, I think just two things. One, I guess one one good and one bad. The bad thing, um, I think that is the most interesting for me to look at because I I when I look watch basketball, I like to see like the growth and like players and positions and things of that nature. Whether that whether that's in the, uh, a rise or a drop, um, I I think it's also I think it's really interesting the the lack of production Missouri gets from the power forward spot. And Kevin Perry is just like fall off the face of the earth. Like he's been, he's been awful. Um, KJ Santos has been unbelievably bad. Like, I mean, he's not been. He's he's been. He has sound. He had a few really good defensive possessions in the first half against Kentucky, but he's not providing anything offense. No, I mean he had he played ten minutes or eleven minutes and was minus fifteen and it's plus. That's that's unbelievable. That's terrible. You have pl- worse than your minutes. Um, <laughs> Mitchell Smith got hurt. He looked like he was in a daze. Um, he looked really hurt. Really hurt. Um, but even like this season, so he hasn't done much. He um, did uh, put one Kentucky guy on his butt. He did. Nice screen. He did. Might be the he highlight did. of Mitchell Smith. Then he had a strong finish at the basket. So, um, But like this, just this season, that position hasn't really done much. So it's just... For me, the rest of the season is going to be interesting to see what Conzo does there. Like, do you continue to throw Kevin out there and see if he can do some stuff, or do you just go small the rest of the year? Um, so, I thought I think that's kind of interesting too. On the on the flip side of that, I think it's really interesting just to see, um, just watch these freshmen and sophomores, just see what they do. Like, 
these guys fight harder than I mean some of the upperclassmen do, other than Jordan Geist. Um, I mean, J- Javon Pickett and Ronnie Sykes have no business go- holding PJ Washington to three points in the second half. They have like I think PJ has like six inches on them. Um, and he's legitimately an SEC Player of the Year candidate. Like, um, yeah, I've, PJ Washington made Tennessee's forwards look bad. Yeah, and Tennessee's forwards are literally Grant Williams is going to be SEC Player of the Year. Um, so it's it's I think that's the that's the, that's the positive side of something to look at. Look like I guess that's interesting. Um, on the other side, again, like I said, is a power forward spot. Other than that, it's just really not a lot to pay attention to, or just there's not a lot of storylines going on right now. To kind of piggyback off that, I think maybe this. You, you might have two... I mean, if you take away Jonte Porter being injured, because yeah. that void at power forward is because he's, he's not there. Yeah, but I think the story of the season might be one of two things. Like you said, Missouri... You knew that when Jonte was hurt, that Missouri was losing its best scorer, its best rebounder, its best passer, and its best shot blocker. Yeah. Basically, the guy yeah, everything. that everything was built around. Yeah. But... Even when, like at the end of that non-conference slate, and even before that, you're optimistic that Jeremiah Tillman would take on some of that responsibility, yeah. and so would Kevin Perrier, yeah. and so would Jordan Geist, and so would Torrance Watson, and Mark Smith, and Mark yeah. Smith too. Uh, I mean, we had a talk on here about could they possibly make a right? Season but when, yeah, when the SEC season started. Yeah. What has happened in the SEC season is that nobody Nothing has really right. yeah. stepped into that void. So I think that's part, like maybe one, probably the story of the season. Yeah. But number two, I think would be just from a, from somebody who you know watches the team a lot, doesn't necessarily cover them like you do. But I think Javon Pickett and his. Like I, Javon Pickett was not the star of this recruiting class. No, he's he was not last. Yeah, he was not Xavier. the one that everybody thought would come in and have an impact. And he's yeah. by far had more impact than any newcomer Missouri's had this yeah. season. And I think of all the people besides Mark Smith that are coming back next year, uh, and Jeremiah Tillman. I think long term, he has the best upside. Javon Pickett. I think has the most upside. Yeah. Like you said, that he has yeah. the most potential He's, to be a team leader. He struggled to score the last two games, and I wonder. And I, me and Mitch Foy from Power Zoo kind of briefly talked about this during the game. I wonder if that's because teams are very easily he's like very easily scoutable he's a freshman he knows does a few things well um right now so he doesn't have a lot to do like he doesn't have a lot of variety in his game right now he's what he, I mean, he took a year off he just came back um so you don't, you don't expect him to be just this all great no one expect him to be a great scorer anyway um so but he has he started to score the last few games but again like you said he's i mean he defensively he's has an impact he's probably other than Jordan Geist, the guy who plays out there the hardest day in day out, works works harder than everyone else on the floor. I agree. I think he has the highest upside of anybody on the on the team. Um, and to get back to what you said about going into the SEC season, like with all the pieces, if Mizzou is going to be good this year, Kevin Pryor had to be good this year. Like a lot of time during before the season, everybody was like, "Who's going to make up for the scoring?" Like, and you understood it had to be a team thing. No one's going to make up for what Jonte left, but Kevin had to be good. Kevin had to be somewhere in the tent that's double digits, 10, 11 points a game. He's been bad. Um, and I think that that hurts you because you don't have just another threat to score. I mean, Jordan Geist has to do so much. And when Jeremiah is doubled in the post, he can only do so much. Um, Kevin just had to be a guy to take the load off of them. And I just, I think he, he him being, I guess, getting worse almost as the season goes on has really hurt Missouri's season so far. Right. You know, I remember looking at Kim Palm on Tuesday during the Kentucky game and looking at some of the things he did in his, earlier in his career. And 
he's never been a great three-point shooter. Yeah. And we've talked about if Kevin was maybe two inches taller, he would be a totally different player. Yeah. He plays like a guy that's 6'10 or 6'11 with his game. Problem is he's not 6'10. Right. He's, I mean, he's just not that height. And so he doesn't match up very well in the post. And so if you look at somebody with his size, you have to have some sort of outside threat. You have to yeah. be able to create off the dribble or you have to be a great spot-up shooter to complement your game on the inside. Otherwise, right. I mean, you're always going to be amongst the trees trying right. to you know shoot in the forest. And so that part of Kevin's game has never really, you know, in the in the years that he's been at Missouri has never come all the way through. Yeah. And he's not a terrible three-point shooter. He's shooting at like 32% or yeah, 31% or like that. this season, which isn't horrendous. There's guards that shoot worse than that in the SEC. Yeah. But it's never been enough to where you're keeping defenses kind of off balance. He's actually shooting 33%. That's a career high. Right. So, so that... Not terrible, mm-hmm. but that's nev- that that yeah. is not a consistent option for Missouri's offense. It's right. not to a point where defenses have to account, account for, for that. Right, right. So it's not been, I mean, it's shot, not had that sort of impact. Yeah, he shot twenty five percent from three last year. So I think that's been uh, and man, it's tough to kind of talk about Kevin this way. You can't put and it's not all on Kevin. Like no, right, on right, him, right. Yeah. Kevin is you know Kevin's about to be the first four-year guy at Missouri since Ryan Rosberg. Yeah, exactly. And maybe the second, I mean, before Ryan Rosberg, Lawrence Bowers was one. I mean, you had a couple in the that finished up in the 2012 season. Mm-hmm. So there have not been very many guys that have stuck right. through it. Right. And Kevin Perrier is one. Yeah. And so it's, you know, and as th- somebody that's it- been through that whole process, I mean, it's tough to, but I mean, honestly, the, the, the numbers and, and the play on the court, I mean, it's yeah, hurting. you can't come to any other conclusion. Yeah. It's, it, it's hurting them. And I, I think eventually, I think when you look at, what women's is going to be in the future. I think you're going to look at Kevin and Jordan as two of the guys who really set the tone in terms of just what they had to do leadership wise and things of that nature. But yeah, like, I mean, he's, he's not bringing what Missouri needs on the floor right now. So one other thing before we move on, uh, what do you make of Conzo Martin's post game comments? And I, I pulled one out from your story. Conzo said, I try to go with guys who give me the best chance possible. When you are the older guy, you have been in the program and you are given every opportunity, but at some point you have to do what's best for the program. They battled. That was a difference in the second half. That's pretty much talking about Kevin Perrier. I thought, I thought it was. I mean, I think what you saw in the, in the Kentucky game in the second half, Conzo's, Conzo at halftime, and I was, again, I'm speculating, nobody was in the, in the locker room with him, but it just seemed like Conzo goes, who wants to play and who doesn't? And kind of with the guys who he knew were going to go out there and give him effort every single time on the floor, um, whether they got beat or not, and we're going to go fight for rebounds and defend. It, I mean, it, it was just very obvious. I mean, KJ played like two minutes. Kevin played five. It was just got the the guys who were out there were Javon Pickett, Jordan Geis, Jeremiah Tillman, Mark Smith, Torrance Watson, and Ronnie, Ronnie Suggs. And those are the he and he blatantly he said it plain as day in the press conference said those were the guys that were I knew we were going to go fight in battle. And Missouri won the second half by what, eight points? Yeah, and out-rebounded one of the best rebound teams in the country by 11. 11 with five guards and Jeremiah Tillman. And they they had more. I think they had eight more points in the paint. Like, I just think, just plain as day, I think you're going to look at this as the game in the season where Council goes, I'm done with this. I'm playing the people who are going to fight. 
because Mizzou sure could have just given up that game. They were down 18 at halftime. It sure looked like it was going to be a 30-point blowout. That's what that seemed like to me. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break, go to our sponsors, and we're going to come back. We're going to talk a little bit of Missouri women's basketball as well as Drew Locke and the NFL draft. I'd like to take a moment to thank the sponsors of the Mizzou Sports Podcast, MU Healthcare, Columbia Water and Light, and Phyllis Nichols of State Farm. The University of Missouri Healthcare is proud to be the official sponsor of Mizzou Athletics. Columbia Water and Light encourages the efficient use of electricity and water because it can make a big difference for all of us. Find out more at columbiapowerpartners.com and contact State Farm agent Phyllis Nichols at 573-443-8727 for life, home, car insurance, and more. Thanks again to our sponsors, and now we'll return you to the podcast. All right, thank you to our sponsors. And uh, Cameron, during the break, told me he has a question he wants to ask me. Yeah, last so week let's you asked hear. me a question. I did, I did. I, I, just, like to, I just like to be right a lot of times. So be, beginning <laughs> of the year. Is that what this is? Yeah, pretty much. So beginning of the year, and I don't, I'm, not, I'm not quite right yet, Such but I jerk. think I'm going to be. At the beginning of the year, we talked about, like, we made SEC basketball like predictions, who's going to win the conference. I said Kentucky. I, I said, forget what I you said. You said Tennessee. Oh. Uh, yeah, good pick. Fine, yeah, fine pick. Yeah. Tennessee's we're smart. Yeah, Tennessee is t- Tennessee is currently first in the conference by game. Kentucky's second. Um Kentucky beat ten- Tennessee at Kentucky. Um I just want I just getting I'm just asking you. Is this going to be a rhetorical question? No, I just want to know are you sticking with that pick? Kentucky and Tennessee play one more time this year. Um Kentucky's currently probably one of the hottest teams in college basketball. Yeah. But um yeah, they play one more time this year. That's probably going to be the game that decides the SEC championship. And they play at Tennessee on March 2nd. It's a great question. And so the, what makes this really tough is Tennessee has been the more steady team all season until about two weeks ago. Yeah. And since then, and, and Kentucky was the volatile team for the first two and a half months of the year. Didn't and, want 10 in a row. And like in, in the row. last two weeks... Tennessee has become Kentucky, and Kentucky has become yeah. Tennessee. So I do power rankings for a gatehouse, I get all the gatehouse papers, and this is the first year, first time all season I put Kentucky number one over Tennessee. I yeah, you would have to. Yeah, Kentucky just beat the heck out of Tennessee. Yeah, but I am going to stick with my pick because Kentucky. I think right, like if you were to end the season right now. Or, or if you were to just say, who's the best player in the conference right now? P.J. Washington. Yeah, 100%. He, the, he, the guy's incredible. But Tennessee has like, they have Grant Williams, who was going to be that guy until about two weeks ago. They also have Admiral Schofield, who could also be that guy. They have Jordan Bone, is a great point guard. They have like four or five guys that in any matchup if they were to play Kentucky again Kentucky, or Tennessee has four or five guys that could be the best player in the game they could step up and be the best player in the game I don't disagree so I'm sticking with Tennessee okay I'm sticking with Kentucky um simply because I think Tennessee's gonna lose LSU this weekend uh, well see you didn't give me that piece of information well, I was gonna read it, but you kept going so I just said I'm just gonna <laughs> let you keep going and I figured you were gonna stick with your pick anyway um but no I agree with that but I still think I mean I think I didn't know Tyler Harrow was as good as he is. Yeah, he's been he's really, really, really good. good. He was really good against Missouri. Um, 
But yeah, I just I thought that was interesting that this literally coming down to the ten, the Tennessee Kentucky game on March second for who's going to win the conference. Yeah, I feel pretty good. We're pretty smart. Yeah, we are. We picked the two best teams in the conference. Smart people. And it's a coin flip with four games left. Yeah. On who could, who's going to be right? Yeah. Watch. We'll uh, revisit this. Watch after L- March 9th. Watch LSU come back and win the conference. They're going to beat Tennessee and then win out and gain. <laughs> Tennessee's going to beat Kentucky and yeah, that's how it's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so we'll revisit this. The last game of the season is March 9th and then the SEC tournament begins March 13th, something like that. Do you remember um, our picks for the SEC tournament last year? One of us picked Missouri to not, win it. Not very smart. <laughs> yeah, one of us picked Missouri to win it. The other one not picked Kentucky smart. to win it. So... Just we won't we won't say we won't name names here. Okay, that's good. But uh, yeah, so that's the end of my question. Okay, on Sunday, Missouri women played in the most attended game of the season. They hosted Tennessee for the Pink Out game uh, to raise money for breast cancer. Tennessee ended up winning sixty two sixty. Jordan Chavis hit a forty five foot three pointer, but she let go of the ball about. Point two seconds after the buzzer went off, and here's what I'll say about that because that actually became like a talking point after the game. They had point three seconds, Missouri. They're inbounding the ball from the sideline, sixty feet away from the basket, and they have point three seconds to put up a shot that would win the game. There is no way that Jordan Chavis can hit can like put an accurate shot up from 45 feet without taking a dribble. That's my take. There is there is no way that ball would have even been close if it would have been released. You're just in an impossible situation so like some people were upset like why do you take a dribble, you know, what do you, it's like she hit the shot. She did everything that could be asked of you on that play. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, that, that's but that's that's the only thing though is that you don't have time to take the dribble. Exactly. Well, I, I so you, you chuck gotta, it, you but gotta, Catch it. You got to jump, catch it, turn your body 90 point, degrees. Point 0.3 seconds. Do you want it. to do a quick demonstration of what point 0.3 seconds is? It's, <laughs> well, unfortunately, we can't see your amazing know, demonstration. <laughs> but it's like, beep, beep. That's like point 0.3 seconds. Yeah. Almost. Maybe less. But like, to, you, like to catch a basketball, mm-hmm. turn your body, load the ball to where you can throw it 45 feet like that takes 0. 0.4 seconds. So it's an impossible situation. They should have run a full court alley oop. Sh- that would have been amazing. Best play in women's basketball history. <laughs> <That> <laughs> to be honest been, with you. Not really. That would have been best play in basketball that history. That would have been like the scene in semi pro where they run the alley oop and everybody stops and, the, and Father Pat, the referee, he goes, yeah. F- foul. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Why was that a foul? Yeah. Anyway, there's just one play in what was a game that was close from start to finish. It was a really entertaining game. Um, and here's what Robin Pinchins had to say afterward. Tennessee's a hell of a team. They got a roster full of McDonald's All-Americans. Are you kidding me? We didn't get beat by a bunch of slappies. What's a slappy? That's what I was going to ask you. I don't know what a slappy is. I've never heard that. It's, I hope you guys asked sp- her what a slappy is. <laughs> there was no follow-up question. We did not do our jobs on Sunday by not asking what a slappy was. But we that will be the next question. The next time Robin Pinchton speaks be the first in front question of the media. media day. Next time Robin Pinchton speaks in front of the media, the first question Robin, will you be... Said, I have a quote here from you. 
You said they aren't a bunch of slappies. What's a slappy? That has to be like a. Uh, that's got to be. A, she's from Iowa. Yeah. That, maybe that's an Iowa it's thing. Iowa I've thing, never yeah. heard of that before. So yeah. we'll have to seek context. But I w- I had to say that because I was at, I was going to ask you that if you'd yeah. ever heard of that. No. Never heard it in a they sports might. context before. Anyway. Uh, Huge win for Tennessee, for Missouri. It pretty much, I it's don't just think a it, whole, it signifies a season almost. Yeah, it's, it's just, just like you're on on top of the world after you beat Mississippi State on the road and then you come back with a just, chance to build on it and you just can't build on it. This seems just been frustrating to understand because you don't, I mean, there's times this year we've been like, man, they they look really, really good. And there were times I was talking, so I went to, when I went to Oxford with uh, Alex Schiff from the Kansas City Star, we were talking about like, if they beat Ole Miss, they, could they have a chance to host if they won out? Mississippi State, you mean? Yeah, no, I was on my way to Ole Miss. Oh, you're talking shit. about uh, uh, you're talking about Missouri. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Men or women? No, women. Women playing like after they beat Mississippi State, uh-huh. and then they, if, I was like, if we were like, if they went out the rest of the season. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. If they went out the rest of the season, could they host? Like, could they potentially have someone like, turn this whole season around and end up hosting? And you could see a situation where it might have happened. Um, I think but. if you if you did that, won all the rest. So you beat Tennessee twice. You beat yep. Mississippi State on the road, and yep. then maybe you win two games at the SEC Good tournament. You have see. a pretty good resume to be a top four seed, yeah. regardless of what else is happening. Right. But now, yeah, now I don't think they'd it's have possible. to win the SEC tournament. I think, yeah, and even then, it's still kind of tough. Right, winning the SEC tournament would be huge. Yeah, probably, and that'd probably do it. But yeah. yeah, again, you have a lot of work to do. It's not. I don't think it's a realistic. Yeah, it, no, it, so. it hasn't been realistic. Awesome. Uh, now I don't even think it's optimistic. Yeah, no, no. Right now, Charlie Cream, ESPN's women's bracketologist, has Missouri as a six seed in a pod with Maryland. So Maryland would host Missouri. We go to College Park and would play. Right now, they had them play. Uh, Charlie Cream had them playing the MAC champion Miami Ohio, not Bowling Green. Yeah, no, the women's team's not very good right now. Bowling Green has put all their eggs into the men's basketball basket hey man, this season. Trying to make the tournament. It's possible. Got to win the tournament. Bowling Green's not going to get an at-large, unfortunately. No, he won't, sadly. Sadly. So that's an update on the women's basketball team. Uh, Mel Kuyper. So now we're going to go one more over to NFL draft. Mel Kuyper, which, you know, so I'll say this about Mel Kuyper. Mel Kuyper did a conference call this week. Uh, spoke on a conference call, basically taking questions from reporters all over the country, people that people that write in the NFL, people that write for college. This guy is unbelievable. He did a conference call for an hour, and every single person that asked a question about a potential prospect or a team, Mel Kuyper had an answer ready to go. Like, not even a pause. Like, okay, hang on, let me look up some stuff. I mean, it was, like, instantaneous. Like, hey, Mel, Mel Kuyper, I'm from uh, Oregon State. We got a, like, lineman that could go in the third round. Who's going to pick him? I mean, he's like, oh, yeah, the uh, Baltimore Ravens. They could use a guy in the second round. That, that, that's probably where he'll go. It's like, even if it's not accurate, and I mean, Mel Kuyper's mock drafts aren't always accurate. Accurate. Yeah. It's but hard, like, it's just to, to stuff. put it out there yeah. is incredible. Yeah. And it, but what I realized after that was a lot of people don't like Mel Kuyper. Yeah. I didn't really realize that he was disliked i can understand fans and stuff like if you tweet something mel kuyper said said blah 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 oh boo mel Mel kuyper i hate mel kuyper i don't understand it i don't either but uh i I realized there was definitely some pushback he's a draft analyst what could you dislike about a draft analyst right 
maybe you're just jealous that he made a career out of it and nobody else, yeah. none of us did. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's what you're mad mm. about. But anyway, here's what he had to say about Drew Locke, right? In his latest mock draft came out this week, had Drew Locke going number 15 to the Redskins before on his first one, he didn't even have Drew Locke going in the first round. So now he has Drew Locke in the first round in the top half of the first round going to Washington. And what he said on the call when he was asked about Drew Locke, Kuyper said, two years ago during the season, I got a call from a GM and in the NFL saying, hey, you know the guy who's got the best arm in college football? Drew Locke. That was while Josh Allen was at Wyoming. Mm-hmm. Well, that was when Patrick Mahomes was in school. Two years ago? Patrick Mahomes would have been at Texas Tech. No, I think it was after Mahomes left. Oh, I think okay. this was 2017. Oh, okay, okay, okay. No. Baker was still in school. Oh. <laughs> Baker Mayfield that doesn't have wrong. the best arm that in college football. Wrong. That guy's wrong. Baker Mayfield anyway. is a great quarterback. Anyway. So, he kind of went on to make the yeah, point. Yeah, crazy. Uh, you know, John Elway, yeah. probably somebody who would be impressed by that. So, there's still some connection to the Broncos. Possibly, they have the 10th pick. Uh, you know, I think that's a candidate, even though they picked up Joe Flacco. Yeah, in fact, I think so. I mean, you could sit Drew behind Joe Flacco for I mean, Joe Flacco's not going to be there forever. Yeah, you don't. That's not your option. No, I think you. I think that that would honestly be a good position for Drew. I think to go to Denver, sit behind Flacco for a year. Not that I don't know how much you would learn from Joe Flacco, but so I was going to ask you. There's like five teams I think that have been in the mix the most, or maybe in the conversation the most with Drew Locke. The Giants, the Jaguars, the Broncos, the Dolphins, and the Redskins. Which team would be the best place for Drew to go? If you're, you know, you're. Put yourself in the shoes of Drew Locke. Where would you want to go, and where would you not want to go? I mean, if I wanted, if just saying where would I want to go, I would want to go to Jacksonville or Miami because weather's great there. Yeah. But in terms yeah. of just the, the football <laughs> aspect, I think there was three teams on the list, and I was looking at it, that I would think would be like kind of cool. I think good spots are Denver, obviously. I think they'd be one of them. John Elway, uh, you, you, don't, you wouldn't have to come out and be a superstar right away, although Drew is kind of like, Drew is a competitor. He wants to be out there, but again, sure, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a bad situation. The Giants probably wouldn't be a, wouldn't be a bad situation either, because one, you got Saquon, who is going to be the focal point of that offense for a long time. You have Odell Beckham to throw to, who just makes plays out of bad throws all the time. Um, you don't have much besides that, but I mean, you got you if you throw in a talented quarterback with those two, you have an offense that you could build around going forward. Three, I think Jacks. I don't think Jacksonville will be a bad spot for him because, like, Jacksonville is a team built on swag. Like everyone at in that <laughs> Drew Locke taking his uh, yeah he, he <laughs> secure the bag yeah like everybody in that on that team is in their bag for so to say. <laughs> like I think Drew would fit in pretty well with that aspect. Um, so I, and I I, don't, I mean that that team is it just needs a quarterback who can not lose them a game pretty much. Um, so I think those three those three spots wouldn't be bad. But if I was ranking, it'd be Denver, New York, Giants, then the rest of them. Yeah, I think I would. I, I'm with you. The thing about Jacksonville, they are they like need a quarterback nah. right now. Yeah, like right. we like they want a guy. Like we have a defense that is, despite what happened last year, still one of the best right. in the NFL. I think, yeah, like we need a guy that can come in and win games like, right now because we have tomorrow. This, we have this gap. We have this window that yeah. we can see. The win- we need to the get window back to the is shutting. Yeah. So that would be that would be a good situation. A lot of potential, but. Difficult because right. you would have to go in and immediately right. be the guy. I think yeah. in Jacksonville, Giants. I think, like for other reasons you said, be great. But man, that would be tough going into New York and being the face of that franchise, the future face of that franchise. 
Uh, Drew Locke seems like a guy that would yeah. embrace that. Yeah. He's been pretty good with the media uh, as he's gone through his time at Mizzou. I think he's started to embrace it. And being a you know starting quarterback for four seasons, yeah. you kind of just get a lot of lessons in, in dealing with that kind of stuff. I think that would be that would again a lot of potential there uh, if you do really well, but. That's, again, a tough spot yeah. to go into. I think you're right. Denver would be a pretty good place for him to go. Right. A team that you know has a good foundation. They don't need you to come in and win 10 games or 9 games like this season because they got a guy that can do that. Right. Or they think they have a guy they think can do that. I don't think Joe Flacco, I don't can, think do Joe Flacco can do that. I think Joe Flacco stinks. Yeah, I agree. But, you know, whatever. John Elway There's is John Elway. Lamar Jackson took that job over and he can't really throw that well. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think the worst by far is Miami. Yeah. I Shout out to Hunter photographer Dyke. Hunter Dyke. Yeah. Biggest Dolphins they just fan don't have I anything know. there for him. That organization is a yeah. disaster. Yeah. They're, they're, they're a bunch of pieces away from being any kind of contender, I think. Right. So even if you go in there and you do a good job, I mean, you're always going to be, or, or for the foreseeable future. And you're playing the Patriots twice a year. Yeah. Unless you're... A future MVP, which yeah. I don't know if Drew Locke is that. Yeah. I kind of doubt he's going to be Some a future people have called MVP. called him the poor man's Patrick Mahomes. Let's not go there. Okay. <laughs> I, I, Washington, I don't know. I, I Again, it's kind of same. Yeah. Lane is Miami, maybe not as bad. Yeah. But that doesn't seem like an organization that's – first of all, it doesn't seem like it's run very well. Mm-hmm. You don't have a lot of pieces around you kind of a mess yeah and they'd be looking for somebody like hey come drag us out of the mud yeah. whereas these other organizations are kind of they don't need one guy to pull the yeah, whole thing out yeah they you know i feel like miami and washington are looking for that guy yeah we need somebody that's gonna pull us out right we're help us we, we're desperate they're, they're looking for and this is i guess this is the best way to describe it miami and washington are almost looking for a um and I guess in so many so many words, a baker in a sense of a guy who's going to turn turn things around right away. Denver, Jacksonville, New York, maybe New York, maybe not so much, but Denver and Jacksonville are almost looking for um, like a Mitch Trubisky type guy. Come in, listen. You don't have to be a superstar right now. You can grow as much as I've had I've trashed Mitch Trubisky off <laughs> on and off this podcast before. He's a guy who like you can throw out there and he can be like, hey, just don't try, don't lose the game. Just make a make a make a few throws, keep us in this, and we'll have a chance to win it. I think that's a similar situation of what Drew would be in if he went to say Denver or Jacksonville, or maybe even New York. Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine he'd still sit a year. I don't think Eli's quitting like done this year. I, mean, I think a lot of people <laughs> they want draft Eli Drew Luck, and Eli's like, all right, I'm out. Yeah, exactly. I think <laughs> I people might want Eli to be happened. done, but um, yeah. So yeah, I, th- I think those are probably the best spots for Drew. I think we. It sounds right now like uh, the Giants are in on Haskins. Yeah, I was. And I think Kyler Murray's probably going to go pretty high. If not to one of those teams, uh, someone else. I mean, the Giants might go with Kyler Murray, too. Yeah. So they I think, certainly. I think Drew's pretty solidified as the third best quarterback. Right. Yeah. Behind those two. Yeah. So anyway, we'll see. Yeah. Last week in April, the Combine's coming up beginning of March. Can't, fun, fun. can't wait. I can't wait for the Combine. Can't wait. I think we touched on just about everything that's happened in Mizzou sports for the last week. Yeah. 40 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Guys got a four, nice 40 minute podcast. That's right. Yeah. You want to take us out? Uh, sure. Um, what do I usually say? Uh, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen, get your podcast from Apple, Spotify, 
um, where again, like I said, wherever you get them, I don't know if we're on SoundCloud. Um, follow us on Twitter. Danny's at Daniel underscore M underscore Jones. I'm at CJ underscore Teague. Subscribe to the Tribune. Support your local newspapers. Um, and you can read all our work on the Tribune's website, ColumbiaTribune.com as well. Uh, Danny, cue the outro music. Subscribe to Mizzou's Sports Podcast at iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher.